here today, smallbusinesstogrow.com. We're chatting with Chad Forrester, and I'm going to introduce Chad to the extent that I can, and then I'm going to ask him to talk a little bit about himself and his work experience. So Chad's been a, a big box home improvement store manager for some time, and in that capacity, he's worked in multiple markets, and he has a significant track record in being successful at building a team and then with it having that team contribute to the overall success of that big box retail environment so chad i'm going to ask you you know tell us a little bit about yourself all right well hey thanks for having me on for one thing uh, i appreciate the uh, opportunity to get on here and talk about myself i'm always willing to do that uh but anyway uh, i've been in, in in big box home improvement uh, well, in home improvement in general for the last uh, 34, 35 years, I started when I was 16 uh, in a little mom and pop in, uh, in Northwest Alabama and uh, kind of got the love of the, of the business then uh, at a young age. And, and as I uh, went to college and, and I needed a part-time job to work my way through school and I kind of stuck with the home improvement, entered the big box realm at that time. And then, uh, you know, I just stuck with it. And, and once I graduated from NIU, uh, with a degree in history education, my boss came and said, hey, uh, I can offer you a job in, in leadership, uh, making more money than you can teaching. And uh, I made a, a tough decision, but decided to stick with home improvement retail and went into the management side and uh, never looked back. And I've been a store manager now uh, for the past 20 years uh, as, as the, 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 the ringleader, I guess, if you want to call it that. But uh, I've been with all three big box home improvement stores, the major companies, and uh, and you know served as a store manager in all three, and and love what I do, and and it's all about the the people leadership piece, and that's kind of I think what I was made to do. So uh, that's kind of my background as far as uh, work history. What now when you look at having gone to college, and when you say uh, mom and pop home improvement, I'm guessing. For most of us, that would be a store akin to a neighborhood community hardware store. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, you know, owned lock, stock, and barrel by uh, by a family in, in Alabama that uh, I knew pretty well. And it's funny, they came in one day into the shop class I was in and, and asked the shop teacher, hey, we're looking for somebody to work part-time. Uh, do you have anybody you think could do it? And he pointed to me and said, that kid. So <laughs> that's how I got into it is... Uh, yeah, I kind of got pushed in and and uh, and never looked back. It started out, you know, part time sliding lumber and and pulling deliveries and going on deliveries and things like that. And and uh, you know, my dad, when I as I was younger, getting brought up through the through the ranks, my dad had given me a part time job in in the trades every time uh, every summer. He said basically, if you're uh, not playing ball or doing anything like that, you got to work. So uh, I played girls volley. No, I, I didn't do that, but. Uh, <laughs> Anything they'd let me play, I'd play, so I didn't have to work. But uh, in the summers when we were off, uh, I started swinging a hammer, and, and I did drywall, did insulation, and kind of fell in love with the business and, and, and that side of things. And I knew for a fact I didn't want to swing a hammer the rest of my life. So, uh, you know, went to school, did my thing. And I think uh, if I had it to do over again, I'd still go to college and get my degree. Uh, you know, every day I'm communicating with people. I'm writing. I'm doing all this stuff that uh, – I feel like I gained a lot of knowledge from on the school side, but uh, I do love what I do. And, and I, I have no qualms about my choices that I made uh, way back in 1994. 
So it's it's interesting that you you had that mom and pop hardware store experience. You had an opportunity to work with dad sw- swinging a hammer, uh, doing doing the trades, which is hard work. And many times folks will look at the the trades, the hard work. Unfortunately, they'll look at that and say, you know, I'm going to go to college because I don't want any part of this. Yet you did the hardware store. You did the summer help doing, you know, manual labor in the trades. And then you went to college, you got a degree. And rather than using that degree and getting into education, you went back to the hardware store. But in all reality and intents and purposes, the the hardware stores are still around, but really they evolved into the big box home improvement place. And it's interesting that you went kind of from hardware store got the college degree, at which point most folks are like, I never want to go back to that. And you said, I'm in, sign me up. So that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, it's a, it's a different, uh, a different angle to look at it. And I, I think truly what you have to do is find something that you're passionate about. And I was always passionate about, you know, home improvement, construction, uh, that kind of line of work because I was brought up in it. And uh, you got to find something that, that really cranks your tractor and, and, and makes you want to go to work every day. And, and that, that side of it is kind of what drew me back. And I looked at it as being, you know, it's not all about the money, but it, it is all about the money. You don't do it for free. You got to get paid. So when they offered me more money to, uh, to start in the leadership role in home improvement, rather than go the educational route, uh, you know, the money was good, but also I was passionate about what I did. And I loved going to work every day. And I still do, you know, you look at that 30 some odd years later, I still love to go to work every day. And uh, I, I truly believe people that are, are miserable in their, in their career uh, need to get out. And I tell everybody the day that it's not fun for me anymore, I will quit. Uh, and there's it, no doubt about it. And I, and I think, you know, is, is we look at why are we doing this video with Chad Forrester? It, in my opinion, in my experience, it's because you are a leader in your industry and you have a successful track record. And you said two things that are that are interesting and I think are bare having a bit of a discussion on. One is your passion about home improvement, construction, the trades. And then one thing that never gets mentioned is that kind of boots on the ground, hands in the dirt, hands swinging the hammer, lifting the drywall experience that you got while you were in high school and the opportunities that gave you to have a foundation to be an expert in that field. Because I, I, I don't know that if you were working in box home improvement retail in college to make ends meet, pay for school, I, I got to believe that you had some skill sets and you had a foundation that led to somebody approaching you saying, hey, listen, uh, I know you're you're finishing up the degree over here, but I got to be honest with you, there, there's an opportunity for you here. So they had to be seeing something. And I think that something was maybe the the collision of experience and passion. What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, there's a there's a lot to that for sure. Uh, and I like to think of of people wanting to follow my lead based on the fact that I've been in every position from, you know, part time uh they, where I used to work, they called us yard dogs. That was what our our uh, our moniker was. Uh, so I was the I was the yard dog all the way from there to every level of leadership in several different areas. And and I know what it takes to do what they do, and I know what it takes to be successful in what they do. 
and they trust you. You know, they trust the fact that you didn't come out of college with a, a business degree and, and you roll into a leadership spot and, and, and try to tell people, hey, this is the right way to do it, what we learned in the book. Uh, you know, I learned from swinging a hammer in the field. I learned what, and it kind of correlates and ties into the clientele that we serve. You know, I serve people that I know what they do every day. I was doing it. Uh, I, I know what it's like to, to go into a, a lumber yard and look for something that's not there. They're out of stock or it's in the wrong spot or we don't have the right mix of product and all that kind of stuff based on an experience that I had doing it. And, and it, it really changes your outlook on, on the right way to do things or what you think is the right way to do things. But uh, the biggest thing I think that, that drew the leadership in the store that brought me into the, the taking on the full-time role and staying with home improvement uh, is, is, you know, I, I look at it as a spark, you know, I've, I've always had, uh, an energy. And I think that if you ask any of my people throughout the years of what is, a, what about me makes me different than everybody else? It's, it's energy. I'm always on and there's never a time that I'm off. And, and I think that's what pulled them in. Hey, we need to put this dude in somewhere that can help our, our, our establishment rather than letting him go away and do what his you know degree is going to be in, and so that was part of it as well. So then that part of that, I mean, the passion is probably hitched to that spark. But then also, it's interesting because it it sounds like you see that prior experiences giving you the ability to really understand your customer and what they need. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you look at uh, any any field where you're going to serve anybody. If you don't know your clientele uh, and the changes in the environment, you know, you look at things like now, uh, not to get too far in the weeds, but, you know, through COVID, we've gone from uh, a, a consumer base where they come into the store and shop brick and mortar. to there's a lot of online stuff now because people didn't feel safe going into stores and curbside delivery and all that stuff. And if you don't wholeheartedly jump onto what makes it difference in what your clientele is going to want and what they do, uh, you're going to miss the boat on being productive and being successful. Uh, you may eke out, you know, an existence in the in the in the field, but you're not going to uh, surpass what you need to do and, and get to the point where you you're doing well for your team. So you 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 mentioned COVID, and that and that's something I want to come back to. And as we come back to that, I think what people are going to want to hear is in. in is results. So I know you were in, at least in the last, in the short term number of years, you were in three different markets in the United States and you kind of have duplicated your success in each market. So can, can you talk a little bit about uh, not so much dollars and cents, but maybe hitting goals and targets and, and percent growth for the box you were in charge of? Well, I can tell you that I think that a lot of people are going to want to listen to this for for the secret sauce, right? You know, what makes uh, you able to perform consistently in different markets and different conditions and different whatever. Uh, but ultimately, it's I'm going to disappoint a lot of people because it's super easy when you think about it is you find a winning blueprint and you can replicate that blueprint. Uh, though I, I feel the winning sauce for me is what I do for my people and I take care of my people and I make sure, uh, you know, wise man, uh, that's part of our company a, wh a while back. had said, you know, if you take care of your people, they'll take care of your customers and everything else will take care of itself. Uh, 
And without a doubt, that's the truth. And I found out early in my life that if you take care of your people, they'll walk through a wall on fire for you. So uh, replicating that, sometimes it takes longer than, than uh, in some markets and some stores. Uh, every store is a, a breathing uh, beast. You know, you got to go in and analyze what's going on and you can tweak some stuff here and there uh, to make the metrics go one way or the other. Uh, but ultimately, it's the, my, my blueprint is the same. It's, it's get the people, build the morale, make sure the store is safe. And I, I look at it as a store, as a store manager. Uh, my job is super, super easy. Uh, there's a lot of different things that make it do what it does, but I need to make my team as much money as they can because they're doing it for a living. It's not that they're doing it for fun. The other thing is, is I got to keep them safe and then I got to get them developed and, and get them where they want to be, whether that's with the company or outside of the company, whatever they want to do personally, that's my the three heads of what I do. Make them money, keep them safe, and, and drive that piece to uh, get them developed so, where they need to be. So how does that shake out? So if you look at a, a common report card for a big box, how, how do you do on the report card? Can you share a little bit about what you've been able to accomplish? And then, then I want to come back and talk about the blueprint and how that it, it's a, you have a proven track record. So you say it's simple. But the secret sauce, it, it, though simple to say, it, most can't get it. So what did, what does your report card look like? You know, well, in, in the last three boxes you were at, did you grow? You know, the biggest thing uh, that I, I, I took to heart, I took over a store in, uh, in a northern market. And I, I actually still have on my wall in my office uh, a laminated scorecard from week 52 uh, of the year I took it over. So I took it over in December. And they were dead last, dead bottom dweller out of the district. So within the, the, that four-year period, I was in that building. We climbed to the top of the scorecard to finish number one. You know, and with that comes a lot of different things. You know, increased bonus and increased bonus for your team. And and uh, I actually won a quarterly trip to go to tropical place. You know, based on being one of the top performing store managers. You know, all of that stuff. And it's been pretty consistent. You know, then I, I went down south and took over a a store in a Southern market. We were towards the bottom of the scorecard, not dead last. And, and we worked up to the top three. And then most recently the store that I'm in now, uh, we went from dead last on the scorecard as soon as COVID hit and we started climbing up the scorecard finished last year at number one. Uh, but truly for me, it surrounds yourself with good people. And, you know, for the most part, like I said, everybody wants to do right. And they're gonna, they're willing to buy what you're selling if you truly believe in it, and they can, they they trust that you do believe in it. So you get them all buying what you're selling and get the whole team moving in the same direction, then everything on the scorecard takes care of itself. And this would drive some of my my, my bosses crazy. I don't really care what the scorecard looks like. It's gonna follow the store. So if the store is good, the people are good. The scorecard's gonna gonna follow. I'll print the scorecard on Monday, take a look at it, see what's going on and how we performed. And it'll steer me to what I need to look at during the week. But overall, I'm not going to go and go on to your desk and Ray, this number is horrible. Blah, blah, blah. That's not what's going to make it happen. Uh, what's going to make it happen is change the behaviors behind what's causing that scorecard miss. And then they'll, that'll, they'll impact it because they want to do what's right. And so, surrounding your, so though, it, and it sounds like though, I mean, the, the scorecard's the one thing to establish you as being credible. So when we get into your simple secret sauce, which 
though it sounds simple, it's not. I, I've owned and operated brick and mortar. It's hard. It's hard. And, and you're good at it. And that scorecard <laughs> in three markets says that. To go from the bottom to one or bottom to top three is significant. And total revenue or monthly revenue, I mean, you a box, how many square feet are your boxes typically uh, on the roof? 107,000 square feet. So 107,000 and then tens of millions a year in revenue? Oh yeah, absolutely. So this is, this is for people that are watching this, uh, this, this is big business. And, and Chad is the, is the head honcho at 107,000 square foot under roof that's doing tens of millions of dollars in revenue. So to hear that you've gone from the bottom up to the, the top, or geez, even top three, even top five is pretty significant to do it in three markets says you, you're good at what you do and your secret sauce works. Um, the other thing is there's two things. And then I want to shift out of this and talk a little bit about your, your magic and secret sauce. But what the audience doesn't know is one of those boxes, you did this during the great recession. Yeah. So, right? yeah, if you, so, and if you take, uh, that's a great story. So th that store uh, is in a, in an area that's one of the slow, it was one, it was the slowest recovering uh, areas in the state that it was in. Uh, the unemployment rate was the highest. And again, it's, it's finding what you need to do. And a lot of it's taking advantage of things that happen and being a courageous leader and taking a shot. So you know, the way that that turned around is I was presented, had something kind of fall in my lap and it was outside the box and I fought to get that to happen. So, you know, I went to the powers that be and said, this is what we need to do. And they're like, well, you know, uh, that's not in the, the framework of what we're about. And I, I said, well, it does. It's not unethical. It's not immoral. It's not illegal. Let's give this a shot. Uh, and we fought through it and, and, and made it happen. And it, it turned out to where our building became the go-to for the whole community. Uh, and this, this city happens to be a pretty large city. And, and we were kind of, uh, my boss joked and said I was the second mayor of the city. And uh, we just had a great run there. And it's based on you know, having the courage to do what we felt was right as a team and do some stuff that's outside the box thinking. So, so we, all right. So bottom of the barrel to top of the barrel. And, and I don't mean this disparagingly, but in, in kind of a loser market, you know, it's, it's real easy to be successful when, when all cylinders are firing, the economy in your market's great. There's spending money, there's household income, all those things, but you did it in not an ideal market during the recession. And then let's fast forward to 2020, like the rest of the world, we're hit with a, a virus, uh, turn pandemic, turn shutdown closure, turn most of industry came to a grinding halt. How did last year go for you? Uh, well, you know, last year we, when I took the store over, uh, I joke and say I brought COVID with me because I took it over in March and it wasn't two weeks and we shut down. So. Uh, you know, it was interesting because in the industry, um, we didn't, it was just like the world. We didn't know what was going on. We had no clue what was going to happen. We, we thought one thing, another thing happened. And, and you, so you have to 
to shift on the fly and do what you can do. You know, you have uh, constraints in inventory because of nobody's working, nobody's driving trucks. Uh, uh, you have constraints in your own people. You know, you got people, unfortunately, that, that, that contracted the COVID-19 and had to be out and had family members. I mean, all these different things being thrown at us. And uh, there's a lot of stuff where I didn't know what decision I was going to make at work until I got there that day. I had no idea what was going on. Or we'd be on a conference call every day where they were changing protocols, you know, where uh, you're going to limit the amount of people coming in the building, you're going to block off this area, you're going to continually clean every high touch area, all the stuff we had to put in play. And then they threw, you know, hey, we're going to deliver to curbside, which wasn't a thing. And, and so it's, again, I think it's about the mentality. So as the leader during that time, uh, I always say, don't let them see you sweat. You know, I, I, I just don't break when things get crazy. Uh, you have a bad walk, you have a pandemic hit, you have a bad sales week, you have whatever. If you stay positive and that energy again is going to feed your team. So if I look like I'm freaking out, then my team is going to be like, oh man, now what are we going to do? So instead we were at the bottom of the scorecard and we had a good week. So I'm like, okay, that's one. So it turned out where we ended up kind of building a streak and we had 17 weeks where our store was number one, number two, or number three on the scorecard. Uh, and a 17 week stretch, those of you that are in, in any kind of retail, to be top in your district for 17 consecutive weeks is tough. Uh, and, and the team was, they were, it went from a point where they were just making it and doing their thing and coming to work and punching in, punching out to they were finding me in the aisles. How are we doing? What's going on? How's what's, uh, did we, did we win last week? Are we number one or number number two? Uh, it changes the mentality and the morale of the building. And that kind of swung the pendulum where they wanted to come to work. So if you look at our district, uh, we had several stores that were really, really struggling with the associates because they didn't want to come to work, whether they were scared of the, the pandemic or scared of, uh, of just taking the time off or whatever it might be. But I had people working overtime. Hey, we, cause the business for us swung in a way we didn't think it was going to swing. Everybody decided, Hey, we're stuck at home. Let's make the home look better. So they were spending money hand over fist to improve their home. And we're like, uh, okay, now what? So we didn't have enough hours, you know, planned for the week or the month or the, the year for that matter. And I had people stepping up, working extra, doing whatever they had to do, working in different departments. And that, that showed a difference in, a team that's got high morale and, and want to do right and want to win versus the teams that may not be as high in morale and want to win and, and geared towards that. So that's how we climbed up the scorecard during a pandemic is we just built that mentality of we're going to win. And I